You're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com. I want you to go ahead and uh, turn with me to Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Galatians 3. We're going through this book for you that are guests, and uh, we've landed in chapter 3 this week. Last week, we saw Paul's indirect methods of delivering hard truth. There were two ways he did that. He did that with collateral truth, uh, that because collateral truth has a ripple effect, uh, not collateral damage, but collateral advantage. And then we looked at associative truth. That's where uh, Paul placed himself in the story. It's not like someone rebukes another person as if they're better than them. It's saying, hey, I'm a sinner just like you, but I need to address these issues. And so indirect methods soften the blow of hard truth. Then there was the incredible message that included the doctrine and defense of justification, right? God's sacrifice of his perfect son made it justified, never sinned. He justified us in Christ through faith. So the old me and uh, is dead and the new me is alive in him. Good works done for God's acceptance are like clouds that promise rain, but never squeeze out a single drop. But God's grace is like that thunder cloud with 2.3 billion pounds of water overflowing on his children every day, amen. The method and the message matters. But now Paul directs uh, his indirect method to some head-scratching replies. These are like truths that are no-brainers, right? Uh, this is kind of the, uh, the no-brainer passage to me, and I believe that's the way he addresses it. So I want to read this to us this morning. Galatians 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 14. These are the words of God more important than anything I'll say today. O foolish Galatians, whose has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it's written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it's evident that no one's justified before God by the law for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. I want to ask Lindy Leith to come and ask God's blessings on the message today. <laughs> Kevin, you can be praying for Kevin, who's the <laughs> Kevin Kiros. He's, he's had some issues with his throat when they will be here today. Lindy.
Dear God, we just thank you so much for allowing us to be here today. We thank you um, that you are just getting started, and um, we just thank you for um, for the being here, allowing us to be here to worship you today. And we just pray that you would, with Went, that you would um, use his words, and that we would all uh, grow closer to you through the sermon. Dear God, we just love you and thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lindy. All right, Paul used some indirect methods last week to deliver the gospel, but now he's kind of shaking his head because he's confused and I think disappointed that the Galatians could miss such obvious truth. Years ago, you know, back when safaris and elephant hunts were more common, there was a wealthy hunter who was with his guide and they were walking along the banks of this river in some tall grass. <clears throat> and the, the, the hunter tapped his guide on the shoulder and he said, oh, excuse me how will we be able to sense the presence of the elephant? To which the guide replied, by the faint smell of peanuts on his breath. <laughs> it's, it's an elephant. You know, I, th I think you're gonna sense its presence, all right? It's kind of a no-brainer. And that's what Paul says in verse one. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Meaning the gospel was so obvious among you that it was as if you were at the crucifixion of Jesus itself. It's like you were standing there and knew it. That's how real it was to you. So Paul gives three strong arguments that are so clear the Galatians should have never traded grace in for works in the first place. And the first of these is that his spirit has been supplied. The Holy Spirit has been supplied. God is, he has, and he did pour out his spirit on the Galatians. It was evident, it was obvious, it was unquestionable. And Paul says this was number one, proven by our senses. Galatians 3 verse 1 says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith. Verse three, perfected by the flesh. Verse five, hearing with faith. All these senses before your eyes did you receive, hearing by faith, perfected by the flesh. Our senses are overloaded by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I was speaking to a small group today uh, in the back and just talking about some things of the Lord and one of the, the women in the class began to cry. When I baptize people, before baptism, there are grown men who weep like children because of the joy in their heart for being saved. And there are others who come up out of the water and shout hallelujah, you know, because of the joy of being saved, right? There is emotion, there is feeling, there is senses in our salvation. The word in verse four, uh, did you suffer so many things in vain? At first glance, that looks like, you know, spiritual persecution or something. But actually that word suffer is from the Greek word pasco, meaning to experience feeling. Literally, it means sensible. The feeling of the mind, emotion, or passion. Thayer says the Lord has privileged us to have great capacity for feeling. Indeed, this is inerrant because all people are created in the divine image of God. Now to be certain, Paul balances feelings and emotions and experiences with God's word. You can't just always trust your feelings, which he'll do. He mentions the scriptures in verse eight because expectations can be false. You may think you love someone other than your spouse, but whatever you think you're feeling isn't real biblical love. Now, those who've gone after that love and now live on this side of it, 
praise the Lord, there's forgiveness after sin, but they'd be the first to tell you, don't trust your feelings when they go against God's word. <laughs> we as sinners have felt that. We've all done that. But just because some may experience false feelings or false ex experiences, uh, it doesn't mean that ours are fake. Remember we talked a couple weeks ago how our feelings are rooted in Christ and in the truth of the, of the Bible. Our experience matters. Paul says, I know what I saw. I saw genuine connection. I saw spirit-enabled faith in you believers. I saw you hear. I saw you believe. I'm not crazy. I know what I saw. I know what you saw. And you should know what you experienced. It was real. That's why Paul uses these two strong words, foolish and bewitched. Foolish and bewitched. It, it really speaks to both the victims and the villains. The victims being the foolish Galatians who've gone back to trusting works to please God and the bewitching uh, Judaizers who are trying to control the outcome and win their little new converts back to the law. Oh, foolish Galatians. Some of the most personally direct words Paul says to any single person in the entire Bible. <laughs> it's like he's saying, hey, listen, I saw your passion for Christ and now you're about to hear some of mine, right? I'm about to unload on you. Now the word foolish is actually harsher than saying someone's unintelligent, all right? No, 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 this is, this is a foolish that suggests they know better. It's actually the Greek word anoitos, two words spliced together, ah meaning without, and noio meaning to think, anoio. Kind of sounds like annoyed, right? It means non-thinking, not reasoning through a matter with proper logic. It's a phrase you wouldn't say to someone who's actually slow of thought. It's a phrase you would only say to someone who is smart enough to concede their own non-thinking moment, right? Like uh, expecting someone to say, okay, my bad, that, that was on me, that was pretty dumb, right? That's what you expect. Y'all ever been embarrassed? I think Paul was embarrassed for the Galatians. You ever been embarrassed for someone else? This happens at weddings a lot. Not the wedding itself, but things happen like this at weddings. By the way, men that aren't married yet, I'm going to give you two tips. You can write these down. All right. If you want to do the whole kiss, dip, plunge thing on the way to the car, all right, two, two words of advice. Hit the gym, all right, and number two, restudy the law of gravity, all right, because those, those do not always end well and... Uh, my wife has witnessed that. Oh, I didn't drop her because we didn't do dips back then. But, uh, you know, by the way, our family lived in South Asia for some time. So our kids didn't always get to experience everything American, uh, like the proper pronunciation of tartar sauce. So our daughter one day, our teenage daughter, Shiloh, she'll listen to this and call me, I'm sure. Uh, she was sitting at the table talking about recipes or something. And she kept referring to tartar sauce as tartar. You know, mom, you put that tartar, that tartar sauce. Well, Vicky, being the polite woman she is, or the demented mother she is, I can't, it's a, it's a toss up. She let her keep saying it like that for a long time. And finally, at the end of the conversation, she's like, hey, sweetie, you know, it's actually pronounced tartar sauce. And Shiloh's like, then why did you keep telling? Why didn't you stop me sooner? I said it like a hundred times the wrong way. I was just trying to be polite, you know. <laughs> Oh, foolish Galatians, how ridiculous. Tartar. I mean, 
really. Who has bewitched you? Bewitched is from the uh, Greek word baskinos. It means wishing injury on someone to exercise evil power over someone, like putting them under a spell. Only place in the Bible this exact word is used. In classical Greek, Aristotle used it for putting someone under a spell so they no longer could think or act according to reason. By the way, it's also a word associated with envy, which is no shocker that false teachers often are motivated by envy because they want the, they want the limelight. How could you forget the shock of salvation on your senses, Paul says. It's like you've got spiritual paralysis. You can no longer feel what God has done for you. And Paul says, I was there. I was an eyewitness to your front row faith in Jesus Christ. John 3, 34 says, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. We talked last week and I've already mentioned it again today, how much a thunder cloud weighs, how much water it contains. We can't even measure the volume of the spirit that's been given to every believer. It's been supplied to us. Paul says the spirit was supplied to you and the overload of your senses should verify that. Well, the spirit supply is proven by our senses, but it's also proven by our logic. Let me ask you, Regina, she's a nurse. What do you do to a man who's coding out who's having a cardiac arrest. SCA stands for sudden cardiac arrest. You know, it's, it's, it comes from, it, it happens when people have heart attacks or drowning or uh, electrocution or drug overdoses. There's all kinds of uh, ways that it happens. But it makes a person's heart rhythms become irregular and they'll suddenly just drop without warning. And experts say that if an AED, that's an automatic external defibrillator, if it's not used to restore the heart's rhythm within minutes, then it, along with CPR, cardiopulmonary resuscitation, then death will occur, all right? And I believe the Galatians were coding out. And it was sudden and it was shameful. So Paul's, <laughs> he's charging up the paddles. I don't know if they do that anymore. I think they just stick it on you. But anyway, you know, Good old 80s movie, right? So they were charging up the paddles. They needed to charge up in hopes of shocking their hearts back into the rhythms of grace. And like paddles in, the nurse, in a nurse's hands is logic in the hands of a born-again, spirit-filled believer. In Scripture, rhetorical questions are part of that logic, right? They're only, if you look at rhetorical questions in Scripture, they're usually only used when the answer is already abundantly clear. That's kind of the point of a rhetorical question. It's a way to remind and strengthen the hearts of the listener. Like, really? Come on. You know, that doesn't make sense. You know better. So Paul hit the, hit the doubting and deserting Galatians with some rhetorical questions. Galatians 3 verse 2. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? It's interesting to me. That in those two verses, Paul's referring to all three phases of the Christian walk. He says, did you receive the Spirit? That's birth, being born of the Spirit of God, right? Remember the Bible says flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. It was born by the Spirit. If you know Jesus, it's because the Spirit of God made himself known to you first, all right? 
Then secondly, having begun by the Spirit, that's like a baby's first steps. You know, you kind of help them and they start to walk, a baptism, prayer. And then third, now being perfected by the flesh. That's growth and sanctification, spiritual maturity. And so Paul says, in effect, you were born, you began, and you will be perfected by the same Holy Spirit. That's just logic. Think about it, Galatians. You know good and well that the law didn't supply the spirit, and it sure didn't supply the passionate faith that I witnessed in you. And what about all those miracles done among you? Did the law do that? Verse 5, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do that by the law or by hearing with faith? I don't need an answer because y'all know the answer. Romans 8 verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Paul says, all is not lost, right? He still has hope for the Galatians or he wouldn't be writing this letter. And he wouldn't have said in verse four, if indeed it was in vain. Same thing he said back in Romans. It's not, it's not in vain. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, right? Maybe you needed to check that out. Do a little, have a little conversation with the Lord about that. Paul's asking rhetorical, logical questions in hopes of shocking the Galatians' hearts back to their senses, back into a healthy rhythm of grace through faith. Church, let me ask you, do you need an AED? You need the, you need the paddles? You need a, a shock to reset your heart's rhythm? I pray this message will, will be part of that. The Spirit is supplied when works are denied. I didn't say when works are done, because works are good. Good works are good. But when they're done, when they're denied, they should be denied as the source of God's pleasure and grace. Because the source of His grace is the Spirit of God in us. Church, the same Spirit that won you to Christ that helped reveal to you the power and redemption and the freedom of the cross is the same spirit that is supplied to you in taking your first steps of publicly proclaiming your faith and, and being baptized. It's the same spirit that helps sanctify you. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Your spiritual birth, your first steps, and your finish are all supplied by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So that, why did we receive the spirit? So that we may know the things freely given to us by God. That's why we sing, because we know. We got something. We got a really good deal. And we, we good Southerners like to talk about good deals, don't we? And you like your shoes at $5. You know, that's a lot of people in the South are like that. Spiritually, people, we, we should know this. I don't think of grace as a reason to not do good works. I think of grace like getting chosen on a stacked team. Y'all ever play pickup games? When I was a kid, we, uh, after church, I had an older brother, several years older. So I was kind of always tag in tow. And him and all his buddies would go play whatever sport was in season. If it was football, we'd, play, we'd go find some field somewhere out in Bartlett or somewhere and we'd go play football. Tackle, no pads. 
real men in the 80s, all right? <laughs> With real broken bones uh, and real hospital bills. Uh, but so we'd go play, or we'd play baseball or soccer, or whatever the sport was in season. Well, you know, I was usually not the first one picked unless it was one of his older buddies sympathizing the little kid there. So, but I knew, I was smart enough to know when I got chosen on the stack team, I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to end well. You know, this is going to be awesome. You know, I, you knew. Y'all ever been chosen on a stack team? You're like, heck man, I was the reason the team was stacked. <laughs> Duane, nothing, Duane? Come on now. Let me tell you something. The Spirit has been supplied to me and to you and to all who call Jesus their Lord and Savior. Our team is stacked <laughs> by the Holy Spirit. Paul says the Spirit has been supplied. The Bible even says without measure. Next, Paul explains that our history has been clarified. Now, obviously, we don't always interpret history correctly. Uh, that doesn't mean we should erase history, but it, it often needs clarification. Someone once said, uh, old ideas are the least expensive. I think Herbert Hoover actually said that. History is just, just like our salvation. It's free. You can take all of it you want and learn from it. Amen? <laughs> There's a lot of history to learn from. My own mistakes. I've learned from a lot of my own mistakes. And so the first clarifier Paul announces here is relation. Historical relation. All Christians are related to Abraham through faith. Now, I've heard prophecy experts speak before. And of course, I'm thinking when I hear prophecy expert, I'm thinking someone who knows about all the prophecies of the Bible. But they, they seem to always camp out on Israel, right? Interpreting the current events that are happening, Palestine and things like that. And they do so as if dozens of verses never existed in the Bible that compare us to Abraham. Now I'm gonna explain this. J. Barton Payne's Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy lists 1,239 prophecies in the Old Testament, 578 in the New Testament, a total of 1,817 prophecies. And those 1,800-ish prophecies compile 8,352 verses, all right? Now there's only 31,000 verses in the Bible. So that's 27% of the Bible that's prophecy. Well, in both the Old and the New Testaments, only a small portion of the total is specifically about ethnic Israel. And of the 40% of the prophecies, give or take, that are yet to be fulfilled, only a few verses speak about ethnic Israel. And they're at Jeremiah 31, you can look them up. Jeremiah 31, 31 to 37, Romans 11, 26 to 27. So about nine verses out of 8,352 verses are about ethnic Israel yet to be done. But you've still got, you know, the second coming of Christ. That includes all believers. The rapture of the church, the tribulation, the resurrection of the saved and the unsaved, the millennial reign of Christ, the new heavens and the new earth. And if y'all want the scripture passages for those, you'll have to text me after the service. I'll send them to you. I've certainly never been against Israel, okay, so I'm not saying I'm against Israel, but it's amazing that Christians often look to Israel as God's chosen nation even today, you know, as if he's, he plays favorites when the Bible says he doesn't. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, right? He's talking about the gospel is free to all, regardless of gender, ethnicity, right, race, all of that. 
but they just seem to camp out there. Yes, Jesus was incarnate as a Jew, but it wasn't for us to worship Jewishness or Israel or Jerusalem. Let me tell you what it was. It was a living example so everybody could watch them throughout history, this stubborn, uh, stiff-necked people continually rebel against God and Him continually love them. Did you know it's the same way with your salvation? <laughs> when people look at me and go, oh my goodness, went Fox, same way with you. It's so God, so that you, God's grace can be put on display in your wretched life. Amen? Feels good to be wretched when I've got the grace of God pouring over it. You know, there, uh, there, you remember similes, but school started back, so y'all remember similes or figures of speech using like or as for comparison. And Paul says in Galatians 3 verse 6, just as Abraham believed God and it counted, was counted to him as righteousness, know then it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Like we are related. And by the way, we're related by blood blood of Jesus. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. All right, VBS, 1974. All right. Hey, listen, there's an old song, but it's, it's good theology. It's good doctrine. His faith counted as righteousness, and so does mine and yours. He was blessed, and those of faith are also blessed through his offspring, Jesus Christ. That's what he meant. Through his offspring, that's how you're blessed. I don't know how it could be more clear. Paul mentions this multiple times in Galatians 3, uh, and in Romans 9, verse 6, he says, Not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. It's not biological, it's Christological. It's through the blood of Jesus. Church, let history be clarified. We are related to Abraham not by the law, but by faith. History is also clarified by completion. It's amazing that in a conversation of grace, Abraham is mentioned five times. I mean, grace sounds like New Testament, but Abraham is mentioned in this conversation of grace. I mean, a lot more than five times in the whole chapter of, uh, in all of chapter three, but there's five times in our passage today. God takes the grace conversation way back to a time before the Bible was even written, all right? And he's done this before. He's gone way back in history to clarify the present. When Paul talks about authority in the church, in 1 Timothy 2, verse 12, he says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. Now, the ESV says of that passage, in the context, two things are prohibited. One, women are not permitted to publicly teach scripture and or Christian doctrine to men in church. The context implies these topics. And number two, women are not permitted to exercise authority over men in church. The reference for both teaching and exercise authority here is within the context of the assembled church. Women teaching women and women teaching children are not in view here, and both are encouraged elsewhere in Scripture. And my only point in sharing that today is that lest people think, remember, today's the modern era for us, right? But the modern era for Paul was the era he was living in. Rome was modern. 
right? Rome was way ahead of its time, really out-of-the-box thinking. And so lest people think this is a, that submission in the church uh, is, uh, is some kind of like modern-day idea, he takes it back all the way to the Garden of Eden, right? Before the fall of mankind. So its application is timeless. And so I believe Paul's taken a similar approach in Galatians 3. Lest you Galatians think this grace thing is some modern concoction that's somehow borrowing our ideas from the ridiculous freedoms the Romans have and all their sinful sexual activities. Look, we're becoming just like them. We're losing our old ways. Paul says, uh, 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 no, 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 no. Grace is the old way <laughs> made new. The grace of Christ is not a change, it is a completion. The same sun and moon that our forefathers stared at centuries ago, same sun and moon that we see today. The fresh grace is from an old place, infinite actually, and at least as old as Abraham. The grace of Christ is not a change, it's a completion. Jesus completed it on the cross. Y'all all know that Greek word, tetelestai, means it is finished. I've completed it. All those Old Testament prophecies were leading to this moment. It's complete. Well, the Spirit is supplied. History has been clarified. And third, all curses will be justified. There was an American astronaut who was uh, strapped into his capsule and a, and a reporter stuck his you know, mic in the door to get one last interview before they closed him up. They said, how do you feel? He said, well, how would you feel if you were sitting on top of 150,000 parts, all provided by the lowest bidder? <laughs> Paul says, you sure you want to sit on that? You sure you want to rely on works for eternal life? You want to do that? Is that the route you want to go? Because, I mean, you got you to go all or nothing on that, right? You're sitting on a product built by the lowest bidder, the false teachers. <laughs> Galatians 3.10, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it's written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it's evident, well yeah it's evident, <laughs> look around, that no one is justified before God by the law. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Paul says it's a no-brainer that if you choose the law, you're going to gain the curse of the law. It's a no-brainer for two reasons. The law's demand first. What's the law's demand? Well, perfection, right? If you're going to go that route, if you're going to trust the law, if you're going to trust doing good to get you to heaven, well, you better be perfect. <laughs> good luck with that. Up oh, too late. Galatians 3 verse 10, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. You don't, you don't just got to think they're all right. You got to actually do them. Friend, you can't get out of bed without sinning. <laughs> Stump your toe. <laughs> the nothing in the phrase all or nothing isn't nothing. It's a curse. If we choose the path of works to warrant God's grace, we choose the curse. 
Why? Because of the second reason, and that's the nature of man. You know why Galatians 3.11 says it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law? You know why it's evident? Because I've never met one human being who's, who believes they've never sinned. Never. I have witnessed to I don't know how many people in my life from the time I was a teenager on mission trips until this week. And I've never had a person say. Now, I've had a person underestimate the magnitude and the outcome and the consequence of their sin. <laughs> They've severely underestimated what that costs them. But I've never heard a man say, you know, I've never, I've never thought anything bad. I've never said anything bad. I've never done anything bad. I, matter of fact, everything that, was, that I was supposed to do that was right, I did every bit of it. Never met a person like that. I mean, even Paul says he was a perfect Jew, you know, circumcised on the eighth day and da da da, da and talks about all the law. Yeah, but he, other places in Scripture, he makes it abundantly clear how wretched he was. All or nothing means all or a curse. And not just because no one other than Christ has kept the law perfectly, but because Jesus became the curse for us. So you curse the cross by not accepting it. That's why the Bible says, he who believeth not is condemned already. You don't gotta wait for, you don't gotta wait for the end times to be condemned. That's why Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Friend, listen. You don't take a soldier who saved your life in battle out to lunch and say, hey, now we're even. Friend, more than a soldier, Jesus Christ stepped into a place no man could step with perfection and he died for you. And when you try to earn his love, it, it's, your curses will be justified. If you don't believe in Christ, your future curses will be justified. They can be justified now if you call on the name of Jesus. Amen? Would you stand? Father God, uh, we worship you. We praise you. And we believe <laughs> that you have justified us. You made it just if we had never sinned. And so, Father, we trust history. We trust the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and we trust that your curse has been lifted. Whatever pains I feel now aren't because of the curse of sin. They're the curse of the fall maybe. I live in a sinful world and I gotta put up with sinful people around me and, and sickness and disease, and job loss and cancer and all kinds of junk. But Lord, it's, it's not my curse that I'm living under because you freed me from the curse. I do still live under the consequences of some of my earthly sins. Yes. <laughs> if I get drunk and pass out and hit my head, well, that's my own consequence. But Lord, I will never again, by the grace of God, be under the curse of the law because you've set me free. And I pray that if there are people in here that they've been working their tails off to try to get you to smile at them, <laughs> that they would understand you're ready. The only righteousness that brings you 
brings your favor is through the shed blood of your son Jesus. And if I'm draped in the robe of Christ, then that's what you see. And so I pray if there's people in here that have not put on Christ, they'd put you on today. They'd cry out to you and say, Jesus, I need you. I can't get into heaven without you. And I can't live this life without you. Forgive my sin and save me. If you cry out to God with a genuine, sincere heart of brokenness, he will not despise it. He will accept you into his kingdom and you'll be an adopted child forever. No longer under the curse. And for those that have not made the commitment to step forward and be part of Piperton, to be a servant here on a faithful, consistent basis to say, you know what? I want to make this a priority of my week. I want to serve here in some way. I don't know, I don't know what way yet, but I'm, I'm praying that by joining this church, I'll find a place to serve faithfully and be able to have the joy of the Lord and serving others. I pray that we'd be obedient to Him now in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Sermon Audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com.